welcome to another episode of This Old Bitch. Whew. You ever feel just like tired and kind of shitty? I kind of feel that way at the moment. This is not This Old Bitch, by the way. It's uh, the Raised by Whoops fake radio show. I'm Andrew, one half of the uh, dynamic duo who produces this program. Yeah, it's a sh- I just feel shitty. And uh, it's, a, it's not good to feel shitty because I'm real lucky. I live in California in the United States. I have a job. I have a beautiful wife and a dog. And things are good. I have no real reason to complain. I can't stop thinking about these poor people in Turkey and Syria. Who are, you know, this god-awful earthquake. The loss of life, the sadness and tragedy, the whole thing. It's just its fucking overwhelming, honestly. And then, you know, you, you feel bad. You feel shitty. You're tired or whatever your problem is. And I don't know about you, but I chase my tail with shit like that. I, I just start feeling bad for feeling bad. But then I still feel bad. It's so fucked. Anyhow, uh, today... This story that you're about to hear has nothing to do with feeling bad. It's a little bit to do with feeling like a hypocrite. So maybe that's apropos. Got two stories back to back. First, I want to say thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. Some people out there have been buying some merchandise. That's cool. Did you know we got merchandise for sale? Yeah. It's on the capitalism page on our website, raisedbywhoops.com, or I didn't realize this or I forgot. I also have rbwpod.com. All takes you to the same place if you just don't want to type raised by whoops. Whatever. Capitalism tab. You can buy shirts. I got a shirt on there right now with uh, Paley the dog on it. Cool. Really like it. Designed by my nephew, Brendan Couch. Yeah, that's there. You can uh, review, write, subscribe, all that shit if you want to. iTunes, Spotify, however you want to do it. It's nice. Let's people know that we exist, that we're out here doing this stuff. Got some interviews coming up. Glenn is hot on the trail of more of them. I'm really liking his style and what he's doing. If you enjoy that, let let Glenn know. Send us a note. Say, hey, Glenn, I listened to your episode with so-and-so from Ohio, and I really enjoyed it. Be nice to somebody. Donate some money. Help somebody in Syria. For God's sake, help yourself and then help someone else, right? Yeah, here's here's these uh, stories. They're for you. I'm reading them now for you as a care about reading stories. Loving you. Until next time. Adios. So far from Pointy hat of hypocrisy. Pope Francis. He's not a guy I think about real often, but it's worth remembering that time he sounded off the new year with a weird ass note. Back in 2022, by picking an unprovoked and I would argue ill-advised fight 
with an otherwise passive subset of the population. That would be childless pet owners. He struck a strange note to begin a year still in the grip of a global pandemic and flirting with war in Europe. His central argument, having pets instead of children, is a form of selfishness and demonstrates a denial of fatherhood or motherhood, which takes away from our humanity. Fair enough. He's a bold guy and is entitled to his opinions as anyone. You gotta admit, though, that's some strong brew coming from a guy with no kids who basically married his imaginary friend. Perhaps he's upset and lashing out because he isn't allowed to have any pets. Seriously, not even a lizard. But what can I say? As a proudly vasectomized and childless dog owner, I'm biased. This brings me to my central argument. Each of us is a hypocrite to a greater or lesser extent. To help me illustrate this point, like the Pope chiming in on being a mother or owning a dog, I'll talk about two subjects I'm no expert on, biology and sociology. So the human animal is much more complex than a guy like me can make sense of ever, really. However, there are some broad strokes we can note, like how we tend to go about our working and procreating. Now, we're not entirely eusocial as a species, but I would argue we're close. If, like me, you don't know what that means, take a minute to look up the word, eusocial. I had to, and it's worth it. Just in case you don't want to look it up, I'll give you the definition. The high-minded folks at Cambridge describe eusocial creatures as living in colonies or groups with one animal or group producing young ones and the others working to care for them. But feel free to dig deeper into this fascinating and rare social structure. I'll wait. As I was saying, humans divide labor and reproduction in similar ways to eusocial bees, ants, and naked mole rats. Increasingly in our culture, there are those dedicated to breeding, those essentially opposed to it, and those whose work is centered around supporting the breeders. People like myself, my wife, and the Pope fall into one category, non-breeders. Folks like my mom and my sister-in-law, who between the two of them have given birth to 13 children, are lined up in an entirely different category. Let's say super-breeders. Broadly speaking, people are either breeders or non-breeders. Either way, we've all got jobs to do. I tell weird stories and fix things. My wife does light electrical work in people's hearts. My sister-in-law makes people. And the Pope is responsible for maintaining continuity for a Bronze Age best-selling multimedia franchise. Division of labor and a breeding class. The hallmarks of our kind. If we're not technically eusocial now... I believe the trajectory of humanity is arcing that way. Among the many practices of our species that make eusocial cohesion possible is our capacity to believe things that are not demonstrably real. For instance, we believe in money as a means for trading for goods and services, and that invisible lines in the earth divide Russia from Belarus or Kansas from Colorado. Some of us even believe the world was created in less than a week by a being so wise and mighty it has the power and sagacity to keep the gravity on while forming opinions about what individual creatures do with their genitals. Even though we've made it all up, 
the results are full-bodied nonetheless. Through the layering of stories, we form the basis of everything, from our perceived individuality to our shared cultural expressions. What is the price we pay for this remarkable capacity? Believing that which is either not true or, at a minimum, unobservable. I feel like the bill comes due when we have beliefs in our brains that are not in logical lockstep with one another. In other words, hypocrisy is the inevitable outcome for such creative creatures. For example, the brain of an atheist can believe with rock-solid certainty that God does not exist, while also feeling confident that being an Aries explains her bold and competitive nature. How does this work? Well, look around, read a newspaper, buy a chocolate bar, cross your fingers, have an argument, and hope the show goes on because that's how it works. Like you, the atheist is hanging on to the crazy and conflicting beliefs she needs while letting go of ones she doesn't, all to make sense of the spinning mass of microbes, ideas, bombs, old dogs, and dead ancestors of which she is an integral yet replaceable part. Even without this brick-a-brack of concepts, existence will keep rolling under her feet, screaming into her ears and bowling strikes through her mind at every possible opportunity, and she'll give it right back in kind whenever possible. However you may feel about it, there's a near certainty part of your experience will include some measure of hypocrisy. I'll give you another example, this one a little closer to home. I claim to be concerned about the well-being of our planet, and I believe it when I tell myself that I don't want to be wasteful or overly harmful to the environment. Yet, I still buy things wrapped in plastic, packaged in paper, out of season, shipped from great distances, and at a tremendous environmental cost. Every mile I drive, every bite of meat, every new battery, every discarded sock is an outward sign of inner duplicity. And that's just the icing on my hypocrisy layer cake. I can assure you, it goes much deeper. So what about everyone else? Just because I'm a hypocrite and the Pope is a hypocrite and some atheists read their horoscopes, how does that make everyone a hypocrite? I would argue hypocrisy is a feature, not a bug built into the network of our wits by millions of years of cooperation, competition, survival, trial, and error. While building the type of near-eusocial network we're heading towards, having the capacity to double-deal in the brain is extremely valuable, although embarrassing when pointed out by one's critics. Existence is constantly presenting us with a reality we are wise to question. We return the favor by telling each other about our ideals while doing our best to act on them honestly. What comes out in the wash after the stories we tell ourselves rubs against what actually happened? Well, I believe we're left with the hypocrite's eternal dilemma. Do I hold on to my ideals or tear into this previously plastic-wrapped piece of organic chicken harvested ten states away? So if you're asking yourself now, am I a hypocrite? I'll attempt to answer that question, like many hypocrites before me, with a question. Does the Pope wear a funny hat? Pet him if you got him. The next time you see a dog begging, 
whining or pleading for something from the good nature of its caretaker. Try to remember the vast swaths of time when the creature is patiently and silently waiting for something to happen. How often do you take for granted your ability to express yourself, easily communicating your wants and needs to others? What about the gift of having agency over when or how much you feed yourself? How easy it can be to open a door or how simple it is to just change your mind and do something else entirely. I don't have any children, but I would imagine the same trouble with dogs applies to an infant human. Helpless to feed itself and without words to communicate its intentions or desires with the nearby giants in charge. And God help the poor creatures, dogs and infants alike, when they become ill and need medical attention. I'm looking now at my companion. He's about 25 pounds of crazy, wiry hair, taut muscles, dirty claws, tough little paws, and eyes as expressive as Groucho Marx in his prime. This dog I share the responsibility of looking after with my wife is a curiosity to me. An affable, fun-loving, enthusiastic, and unbelievably patient creature who, as far as I can tell, seems to love us. Now, just about Every one of the adjectives in that previous sentence is relatively subjective, save for one, patient. His name is Pele. He showed up in our lives with the name already imprinted in his brain. He's capable of incredible feats of unflappable patience. For example, recently he came with me, as he usually does, to work. My gig that day was outside on a sidewalk in a busy street in the Castro District in San Francisco. I set him up with a blanket and a bowl of water on the sidewalk and tethered his leash to a small black harness which cradles his little chest to the handrail of the apartment building where I was working. He laid down on the blanket, twirling his body in an odd ritual dance before curling up to rest. Positioning himself to be able to see what I was doing, he watched me with relaxed curiosity, occasionally yawning in the sun as I patched concrete, drilled holes in brick, and moved about my work. I would love to know what these movements mean to him or to understand a single abstract thought which might pop into his head. In place of that knowledge, I guess I lay down my own convenient personifications. He's happy or he's bored or eager to meet new people. He rested there until I finished my work. The only time he ever lifted his head was to watch another dog pull its caretaker along by a lead. Slowly blinking, he locked eyes with the people who greeted him in weird voices saying, Hey, buddy. Or, Well, just look at you. Aren't you a cute little man? But he never got up to greet them. He saved his energy for the arrival of the gentleman who hired us. Well, hired me. Although we are a bit of a package deal. Anytime the client came around, Pele would stand up, wag his tail, and focus entirely on him. It's almost as if he knows who the homeowner is of any place we visit. He strives to endear himself to him, just in case I leave him there. Of course, I'm projecting again, but that's the lion's share of the arrangement between man and dog. The dog does weird shit, and we guess about what it means. Guesswork aside, there is a simpatico between this creature and me, which I enjoy endlessly. About 98% of the time, our rhythm is effortless. I struggle to know what he needs the other 2% of the time. My heart fills with dread for the day when that 2% grows in size and represents pain or illness. In the meantime, I watch him as I work, admiring his cool and his trust in my intentions. So far as I can tell, he doesn't see the hapless moron I see in the mirror. 
Perhaps he sees a big dumb creature who takes him places, gives him food, plays with him, and does strange shit with his hands when not petting or feeding him. Maybe he knows exactly what I'm doing, but is puzzled by the why. In any case, if he has even a fraction of the love for me that I have for him, then no explanation is necessary. If it's something other than love that motivates an animal to tolerate his caretaker, then perhaps the highest aspiration of our species should be to isolate and master that emotion. It would be for the benefit of all creatures, large and small, to learn what the dog understands. For the fidelity of a dog is singular, transcending the desperate and attached love from which I suffer. It's also something to behold and cherish when pointed in your direction during the brief flash in time we have them in our lives. So, pet them if you got them. You cross in a river to put it between us. White in the night. And everyone sees it, even my mother. She asks after you.
Thanks for tuning in to the Raised by Whoops fake radio show. This is Glenn. Both Andrew and I are grateful for your time and attention. If you enjoyed that episode, we'd appreciate if you could tell your friends, family, or even a few strangers about the show. Additionally, you can leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you have a story to share or a guest to recommend, you can reach out to us via the website, which is raisedbywhoops.com. We're glad to have you with us. Thanks, and take care.